This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Friday edition. We have Byron Williams joining us here early this morning uh, to start. So Don't how are you, you doing man. this morning, Byron? Oh, I'm doing good. How you, you guys doing? Me? Yeah, I hear you. I'm doing I'm now we hear you. I'm doing good. Jack, Jack, Jack looks like he's doing well, and uh, we're glad to have you in, in here early. Um, let's start it off with uh, of course our one of the best, meanest, toughest middle linebackers of all time. Dick Buckus passes away at 80 years old. After he got done, he had to kind of retire early after nine years because of his knees. He did end up right. playing in some movies and becoming a commentator. And, Byron, can you think of any middle linebacker that hit and played as hard as Dick Buckus? I, right. There's none, none ever played the game the way he played. He, he, he just – the way he attacked the game, you know, he grew up on the south side of, uh, of Chicago and – he was just the marquee player for Chicago, and and uh, he really set the pace for the Bears. I mean, just him and Gail Sales, and you know, it just so many great things you can say about him and what he what he meant to the city, what he meant to the community, and what he meant to the NFL. So, you know, he's gonna be heavily missed. I mean, it was, we lost a great, great player. Yeah, you Jack, know, in this guys, in this day and age. The players right, right. were described as as being game records. You could talk about T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Micah Parsons. Dick Butkus was the first game record in the history of the NFL. There were other great players, but I'm talking about a game record, okay, who would single-handedly at times take over and disrupt another team's offense, you know, completely. And he was as tough as they came. He struck fear into the opposition. I mean, we had other great players, you know, in and around this time, like Chuck Bednarik and so on. But it was Dick Buckus when the way he would charge in and wreak havoc on the offense. I mean, he was truly, he was truly feared uh, and, and a great, great player. Right. Yeah. And, and and even all the guys who, who's talking about him right now, like Charlie Taylor, the Hall of Famer, all the Hall of Famers, that, that said remarks about him just speak volume. And when when he hits you, you know you've been hit. And he and what I like about him, he didn't play dirty. He he just played physical football. Right. I agree. Two time def- defensive player of the year, missed uh, rookie of the year. He was in second behind Gale Sears. I think they only had one winning season. You imagine him on a on a on a Green Bay Packers or a, a big time team at that time. Uh you know he might have Got lucky and maybe went to the Super Bowl or something. But he loved Chicago and had uh, that nine-year career there with him. So well, great as all the players, Mac. As great as all the players won the Packard defensive unit, there was none better than Dick Butkus. I mean, he would have been the lead of that defense as legendary as the Packer defense was. But I kind of wonder how Dick Butkus would have adjusted to today's game because he loved to drive running backs, quarterbacks into the ground. And he wouldn't be allowed to do that today. He'd have to yeah, use yeah, up. You kind of wonder 
whether it would have affected his game, would he have been as great? Because Dick Butkus was an all-out. I mean, he wouldn't stop. And the idea that he'd have to stop and let up, he would actually lose effectiveness if he were playing today. Either that yeah. or, be fined, or be fined a lot, that's for sure. So, all right, Dick. <laughs> There's Dick Buckus with the Chicago Bears. And speaking of the Chicago Bears, and, you know, I, I picked them to win the division, believe it or not, in the beginning of the season. I think the Chicago Bears have a very talented team. Uh, showed a little bit last week against Denver. They kind of – Denver came back to beat them. But they get it together for the Washington Commanders and really – 40 to 20, the score is closer than what the game was because the Bears dominated the the uh, the commanders in every way. Uh, we had Justin Fields going 15 for 29 for 282 yards and four touchdowns. DJ Moore had a huge game, uh, you know, getting rid of that first draft pick and picking up DJ Moore paid dividends yesterday. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if this means the Bears are, are back or not. But it sure looks like they're, they're on the right the right track right now. I mean, if their defense can play like they played against the Commanders, and listen, the Commanders' offense isn't a great offense. We all, I think, we can all agree to that. Right. I thought, and you, tell me if I'm wrong, Byron, because you played the game. Did Washington Commanders almost beat the Eagles? I think they yeah. shot their shot. I think that was that was it. I mean, they got all pumped up for the Eagles, and they come back and they're going to play the Bears, and eh, the Bears are on, you know, they're on four. Uh, right. It should be. I think players, you know, they say players go one game at a time. I don't believe that because I played football before, and you look at a certain team coming up and saying, ah, you know, we should be able to beat them. Uh, we don't have to get as get as pumped and get as get as prepared. And I think that's what happened to the Commanders uh, last night. Absolutely. That's what happened to them. And plus, they were playing at home. They just had so much confidence that they, they're just going to walk all over Chicago. And then another thing, like we just got to talk about with Dick Buckler passed, it was a lot of other things that went into this game, I think, that really caused them to be focused. And they really played a good game, uh, had a great game plan. And uh, it was just amazing that they put all the timing and everything was perfect for, for Chicago Bears last night. In the first half, they had over 300 yards. And so yeah. that right there just said they really won the game in the first half. And their defense had two sacks all year long. They had five sacks last night. The defense stepped up. Seemed like they were just on all cylinders last night. Now, Jack, and Jack, Jack I question. the Bears are not a very good team, Mac. In the beginning of the year, when you picked them to win their division, I said they're not going to win more than six games this year. You're telling me, you're telling me, this is the Bears are not a very good team, you're saying, but yet they 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 destroyed the commanders last night. I mean, they didn't just they're one and four, Matt. They're one they didn't and four. There's a lot of teams that start off bad and end up kicking it in the, in the middle, beginning of the year. I know a few teams off the top of my head. The New England Patriots have done it. The Giants have done it. I mean, there's a lot of teams. The Steelers have done it. So just to say that they're not a very good team to me is totally, totally wrong. I think. Well, you know, every year, I'm going to say this, every year it's going to be some teams that start off real bad, that finish up real strong and might make the wild card and playoffs. So Chicago might be in that one of those teams. But, you know, one and four is really hard to get over, though. Yeah, listen. I don't think. I don't think they're. I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be a wild card team. I really don't. But I think they'll get close to five hundred. 
I think they can finish seven and nine or seven and ten. That's not too much to ask. I mean, I think I honest to God, I think they're more talented than the Green Bay Packers. How's that? More talented. Well, the Green Bay Packers in kind of a transitional stage. Packers are better coached than the Bears. The Bears have all this turmoil going, you know, miscommunication, the GM, the coach, the quarterback, the offensive line, which played a bit better last night than they have early in the year with the Bears. That's been a big problem with Justin Fields. And, you know, he finally got the ball out to DJ Moore. Okay, yeah. so it was kind of like a big celebration. But I think as good as the Bears were, the Commanders were just as bad yesterday. They were flat for a while. I mean, their defense, I mean, it didn't show up. You mentioned the Eagle game. It's possible, and it does happen, teams have a letdown. You play the Eagles the week before. You're so psyched for that game. And then the game's over. It's hard to motivate yourself, you know, to play the next week against a lowly team like the Bears compared to the Eagles. And it showed up with Washington. Yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of time, a lot of time, I want to say this, it's a lot of distraction when you play at home and then you play a team hadn't won a game in, the, in all year long. And next thing you know, they, they up 20 to zero on you or whatever. And that, that really, that really just goes to show you that these guys are professionals and you got to really stay focused and you got to stay locked in. And uh, just because you're playing at home and think you're going to have an advantage, you know, that it just don't happen in the National Football League. I agree with that. Let's talk, you know, about, you know about, let's talk about the Major League Baseball playoffs. Let's get back into football. I want to get these in. Uh, listen, sweeps all, all across the board. The Phillies, the Phillies end up, uh, let's see, they end up they end up winning two games in a row. Um, before we get there, I want to I want to stop for a second. I want to again bring attention. Tim Wakefield, former White Sox, Red Sox, knuckleballer. Um, Red Sox. Yeah. Wakefield was was part of the uh, a lot of World Series teams uh, with the Red Sox going back. I mean, you can go back to the '70s with the, uh, Tim Wakefield. He chewed up innings. I'll tell you, when he pitched with the White Sox, he was out of sight. He was he's a he was a 21 game winner. Went to the Red Sox. Played in World Series teams, real good guy, real good guy. Tim Wakefield was, and uh, a, a, a very good knuckle, one of the last true knuckleball pitchers. Uh, and Jack's checking me out to make sure. I think I'm right with the White Sox. I think that's where he's. Yeah, you better out. check that. You better check that out, Mac. I don't remember when 21 games. I think he was, but I don't. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you remember he, Tim Wakefield. I don't remember you. Did let me finish, Jack. Byron, I don't know if you remember. Tim Wakefield. I know you do, Jack, so go ahead and give us some info on that. I mean, he's the second winningest pitcher in Red Sox history. He pitched like 17 years for the Red Sox. I think he had a 19-year major league career. I mean, so I wouldn't identify him as a pitcher for any other team but the Red Sox in reality, because that's who he pitched for his whole team, his whole career. I mean, I can identify Tom Seavers being a white sock. He was at one point in his career, but I would never, but I really wouldn't do that. Okay. Uh, Tim Wakefield, at least to a lot of people, unfortunately, is known for giving up the home run to Aaron Boone that clinched, you know, the World Series for the New York Yankees, the extra winning walk off home run. And Tim Wakefield thought he'd always be known for that. And I'm mentioning that. You know, it is part of his legacy. It, 
just like when a player does something great, spectacular, it becomes part of their legacy. But when we think of, you know, Tim Wakefield, we think of a really reliable pitch on that staff. I mean, he wasn't one of these aces, but you could always count on him like it's being part of the rotation, like you said, say, Mac, to give you innings. And when you think of the knuckleball, the great knuckleball pitchers in Major League history, you think of Tim Wakefield, who mastered the knuckleball. He didn't throw too hard, won a lot of games for the Red Sox. Like I said, I think he won like 187 or so, something like five behind Roger Clemens but he all-time most is a Red Sox pitcher. And uh, loved by his teammates, loved by the community there, real popular. And, uh, you know, he's going to be missed by everyone who knew him. Yeah, Tim Wakefield pitched for not not the White Sox, but the Twins before going over the Red Sox. Uh, he had an 8-1 record in 13 games with a 215 ERA. Uh, he won National League Rookie Pitcher of the Year. Um and he also, uh, Wakefield, uh, would patch up to 146 pitches because he wouldn't wear out his arm. But anyway, he did. He did have. Uh, he did have a, a good, quick two-year stint over there with the Twins. So he did pitch for somebody else. Good morning, Rick. Glad to have you on, Byron. Do you remember Tim Wakefield? You have to remember Tim Wakefield. Yeah, uh, I, rem- you- I remember Tim because of that knuckleball. I mean, you know, that's a special – that was a special gift, special talent, you know. And, and you know, you don't see too many guys can be able to do- throw that knuckleball. So, yes, I remember him. Yes. So, anyway, so Tim Wakefield passes away. So, let's let's get to the uh, – let's get to the MLB playoffs. Um, again, uh, Texas was one, uh, 7-1 over Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is out. Texas is in. They'll be going on to play the Baltimore Orioles. Um, let's see, uh, Marte drives in two, Corbin Corral went two for four, Zach Gallon got the, uh, the win, the Phillies beat the Marlins seven to one, same, uh, same score, uh, Nola with the win, Phillies sweep, uh, to play the Braves, Harper went, had a home run, there was also a grand slam hit by Scott, um, Arizona Diamondbacks are going on to play the Dodgers, so they also swept, uh, they won five to two, um, you also had, uh, let's see, who else we got here? Twins. The Twins went ahead and they uh, swept a uh, Carlos Correa, two for three. Made a great defensive play. I don't know if you guys saw it. Off somebody else's glove, he threw a guy out at home. Great play. So everybody swept. Everybody's going on to move the people with the bye. So, Jack, any surprises? Can Texas upset Baltimore? I shouldn't say can they. Will they upset Baltimore? And will the Phillies upset uh, the Braves? Well, your preseason pick of the San Diego Padres over the Toronto Blue Jays in the World Series didn't happen, Mac. The Blue right. Jays went out quick. The Padres didn't make the playoffs, but they closed strongly. They may have been the best team in baseball by the end of the season, ironically. They went 82 and 80, but they lost so many early games. The team that has to be the most disappointed that got eliminated. Milwaukee Brewers. It's happening every year with them. They won their division again. This was supposed to be their year where they were going to at least try to make a serious run to get into the playoffs and to lose two straight to the Arizona Diamondbacks, a very ordinary team who just snuck in the playoffs. That had to be massively disappointing. Uh, You know, looking ahead at these series, 
there's a couple of really intriguing series here. In the National League, you'd think the Dodgers should beat out the Arizona Diamondbacks at best of five. Anything could happen. The Dodgers are thin and at their starting, you know, rotation, but they're strong in the bullpen. You'd think that they should win that series. The Phillies and the Braves is an intriguing rematch from last year. Phillies are peaking at the right time, but the Braves, my preseason pick to beat the Yankees, you know, in the World Series. I like the Braves over the Phillies, absolutely. And then in the American League, I mean, you just look at the uh, games being played there, Minnesota and Houston. I think Minnesota is kind of like in a bit of a high. I could see them upsetting the Astros there. And I like the Orioles over Texas. If you're asking me now, how things are going to play out. I'm obviously sticking with the Braves to win the World Series. I like the Baltimore Orioles to get there. They're so well balanced. So if I had to continue on, you know, and slot in someone else in the Yankees place to get in the World Series, I'm slotting in the Baltimore Orioles at this point. But I'm not going to take credit if they get there. But I'm just saying, I, they just look like the best team, the best balanced team. Byron, I know who you're rooting for. I know, I know you. I know you're going to go for the Rangers. What do you think the Rangers or can the Rangers beat the Orioles? I think they just have to play a perfect uh, playoff series. They, 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 they was so surprising this year, and I was so excited because, you know, I live in Arlington, and that's where they, you know, that's where they, the stadium is, and it was so exciting to see the fans. And for once, we we finally got some something to cheer for, and. You know, the only thing they just seem like they can't get over the hunt with Houston sometime. And that that right there, but they 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 surprised everybody. I think they were the most surprising team in the American League. So, so I was excited for, for the for the Rangers. You know it'd be interesting, Byron, if the Rangers do advance to the next round, if they beat Baltimore, mm-hmm. and then if Houston beats Minnesota and Texas is playing Houston. There's been a lot of trash talking going back between the two. The Astros are mocking fun at the Rangers on social media because they edged them out for the division. So it would become a bit personal there. Yeah. So, you know, you might get some serious drama there in Texas, the state of Texas, if those two meet. I'm even interested about it here in New York. I mean, it's... That looks like it would be, you know, some rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, it's 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 right now. It's a lot of trash talking going on. So yeah, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So let's jump back into the NFL. Go over the standings. We're at the quarterway point almost. So in the AFC East right now, Buffalo and Miami are tied at three and one, and New England and the Jets are tied at one and three. So I guess you'd have to say right now that the Jets are. In- Second place and the Patriots in second place. If you want to be, you know, if you want, if you want to go just by the records, it's a last um, place. You want to be technical, Mac, because New England has the same record and they have the tiebreaker because they beat the Jets. So technically, the Jets are right. last place in the division. So we'll say they're in third then. So anyway, um, New England, Buffalo, well, they're tied. Buffalo, Miami are tied. Jack, stop. Stealing my thunder. Buffalo, right? technically in first place. I got to put up with Byron? Miami. Every time I do a show, Jazz got to jump in there and steal my thunder. He always tries to take my shade, right? I'm just trying to be nice and tell him the Jets are in second place. No, they're in fourth, Mac. No, Miami lost to Buffalo, so they're really in I know how it works, Jack. I'm yeah. trying to be nice to you for a change. You, you can't even be nice to him, Byron. 
I try. But anyway. I'm anyway, trying to be factual, man. Buffalo, uh-huh. Buffalo. Yeah, I know, Jack. You're the fact checker here besides the safety <laughs> mind. Anyway, Byron, um, Miami loses the Buffalo. Everybody, oh, they're Buffalo. Buffalo's the best team in the East. Miami, everybody gets excited by one game. Yeah, you know, yeah. Every everybody just because Buffalo beat them once doesn't mean Miami ain't gonna beat come back and beat them. That doesn't yeah. mean that. That means Buffalo yeah. played better for one game. It's like right. the Jets just because just because the Jets almost almost beat who was it who, who they almost beat Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City yeah. doesn't mean that they're good as Kansas City, right? They think they are, but yeah. they're not. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so who is the best team? I'll take you and then Jack. Who's the best team in the AFC East? Right this time. By the well, you have to say the Buffalo Bills at this moment. When you beat the Miami Dolphins by 28 points, how can I say the Dolphins are better at this moment? But it, it, it doesn't come down to this moment. Things change drastically in one week. All we have to do is look at the quarterback situation. The media is attacking these quarterbacks based on one where Justin Fields plays a really good game yesterday. The media's laying off from this week. They won't yeah. have anything bad to say. Zach Wilson was the most maligned quarterback in football. He has a good game against the Chiefs. Everyone is laying off Zach for the week. They're leaving yeah. him alone. And who are they going after? They're going after Mac Jones more than anyone. Yep. All of a sudden, yep. Mac Jones is terrible, terrible. Yep. And yep. Went, how did this happen so quickly? This and week, Daniel week. Jones. <laughs> they're going after Daniel Jones, too. How yep. could the Giants pay him all that money? How terrible he is. In reality, the jury's still out on Daniel Jones. Let's see what he does going forward. I was a bit skeptical they gave him the money, but I wasn't outraged. I understood Daniel yep. Jones is capable, if you protect him, of being a decent NFL quarterback. He was one last year. It wasn't a fluke that he was good last year. Right. But, you know, he's him and Matt, the two Joneses, Daniel and Mac, are the most maligned quarterbacks this week. And, but if they play good games, people will lay off them and they'll point to the next quarterback who played a bad game this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all that. And yeah, it's the Joneses week for sure. They talk about the Joneses oh. in the media. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Hey, oh, Byron, Byron in the North, you got Baltimore three one, Pitt at two and two, Cleveland at two and two, Cincinnati at one three, at one and three. A report has come out that that Deshaun Watson could have paid, played last week, but he wasn't feeling well, and that's why they didn't put him in. Now he was warming up before the game, Mac. I can't imagine. That being the case, Deshaun Watson saying he didn't want to play, unless he was really, really sick. I, I'd be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know? So, so Byron, 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 Byron I, I asked you, Jack is just jumping you here. No, so, no, 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 that's fine. But they, they were really, uh, they, was, they were watching him and observing him before the game, so he couldn't go. So they decided <laughs> not to let him play. Yeah, okay, so there you go. So that was a report, whether it's right or not. Uh, I don't know. I, I this, he wasn't feeling well. I know that's why he didn't play. In the South, everybody's tied at two, two and two at five hundred. Tennessee, Indianapolis, Houston, the Jags. Uh, to me, Houston's the biggest surprise of the year so far, Byron. Yeah, Houston playing really well. Uh, you know, uh, CJ CJ Stroud is doing well. He's playing playing better than they, uh, than any rookie quarterback that they have out there this year. And, 
But you know, Tennessee, Tennessee Titans seem like they got they got some momentum going as well. Okay. In the NFC East, Jack, you got Philly 4-0, Dallas 3-1, Washington 2-2, two and two, and the Giants. Well, Washington's two and three now. Washington the Giants at one and three. Dallas, San Francisco coming up. Is the, again, and I'm gonna ask you, Jack. I, I know what Byron will say. If Dallas beats San Francisco, does that mean Dallas is, is, has finally conquered all its demons and will end up playing somebody in the championship for the Super Bowl? I don't think so unless they do it in the playoffs. Case in point, the two Super Bowl teams that Jim was on, those great cowboy teams who crushed the Buffalo Bills in the two Super Bowls. In between that, they played Buffalo and Dallas in the regular season, and Buffalo beat Dallas in Dallas. It didn't do anything for their demons. It made them feel good that moment. But it, it, it just doesn't do it, the regular season game, unfortunately. You have to actually do it in the playoffs. People in Dallas are going to be good. But you know what the 49ers mindset will be? They'll see come playoff time, it's going to be a whole different thing. That's going to be the Niner mindset. They're not going to get rattled by it at all. Absolutely. So, and, I, and I think you're absolutely right. And Playoff is just a different case scenario when you're talking about a game, game and game preparation. And and I just think the Cowboys still have that hanging over their head. But it's gonna be hard to beat the 49ers in San Francisco. So Dallas got they, you know, they got that they got a big task this week. Um, you know, another thing that's in my mind is they went to Arizona and didn't play well for flip. So I'm thinking that um, Dallas, until they can prove that they're a good road team, they got a lot to try to, you know, stay focused on. So Byron, you know what to make this big, guys? I just want to say one thing quickly. Home field advantage. If Dallas beats the Niners and they wind up with the same record and meet in the playoffs, the game would be at Dallas as opposed to San Francisco. And I don't know what that mean more pressure on the Cowboys being at home or what. Would that actually be an advantage? I'm not certain. I don't think it really would be an advantage against the 49ers because the 49ers are just a good team overall. They play good at home. They play good on the road. Seems like they're just barely equipped. But uh, we'll see. But it, it's, it's so important to have the home field advantage in the playoff because going into the fourth quarter might be the decision maker, the decision maker of the game. So I'm thinking – that Dallas would want to have the home field advantage when they play the San Francisco 49ers this year. Yeah, I, I think I think Dallas and Jerry Jones is making way too big a much much a big deal about this game, saying this is our measuring stick and all. I don't I don't think so. It's only the fifth game of the season. I hope this isn't yeah. the time for your measuring stick. I hope it's at the end of the season when you start measuring your yeah. team. Um, right. Let's go. Right. Let's go to let's go to the West. It goes 49ers four and zero. Seattle three and one. The Rams two and two. Arizona one and three. I like the way all four of these teams are playing. They all play tough. They're all gritty. The Rams uh, are two and two. Nobody, I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen. And uh, the Cardinals, they had one and three, but a couple of those games they've could have won. I think this is one of the, the the most physical divisions in the league. What do you think, Byron? Oh yeah, no doubt. It's it's probably the most overall surprise because every team is playing better football this year. And that's really good to see. I mean, you it, you ain't gonna, when you play those teams over there, you ain't just gonna walk in and and try to you know automatically get them a game. You got to play good, sound, fundamental football in order to win games in that division. Yeah, I, I agree. 
Jack of the North, you got Detroit at three and one, Green Bay two and two, Minnesota one and three, and Chicago at one and four. Is it going to be a? Uh, let's put it this way: Is it Detroit there and every and and everybody else? It's just Detroit. It's Detroit and everyone else. Yeah, Detroit's arrived. I mean, they're a good team. Even if Detroit underperforms hypothetically, let's say they go nine and eight, they underperform. They don't play especially well the rest of the year. They're not going to be worse than nine and eight. No one else is going to get up to nine and eight in that division. Uh, but chances are that we're looking at Detroit more like an 11 and six team. Packers in transition. The Vikings clearly have taken a step back from last year. And Chicago, even if they fulfill your potential, prophecy as far as their potential goes i mean how many games is chicago really going to win they're one and four already so yeah. it's detroit's division they, they don't have a you don't have a wild card coming out of that division I agree with that. you see you look at the nfc east even with the giants and the commanders if a team can get up to nine and eight on the regular season they can snatch a wild card berth in the nfc because that third and final wild card berth I think nine wins is going to do it. Even eight wins conceivably could put you in the mix. Yeah, possibly. exactly. Possibly. Yeah. <clears throat> possibly, uh, especially with New Orleans quarterback being hurt, they're not going to they're not going to make a run and, and be there with Tampa Bay in the end. Last last one, Byron, Tampa Bay 3-1, Atlanta 2-2, two two, New Orleans 2-2, two two, Carolina 0-4. Um Tampa Bay, I, I I think it's going to be Tampa Bay and everyone else in that division too, Byron. Yeah, yeah, and I just think that Tampa Bay have really, you know, played. They they got some good solid uh, uh, veterans as well, and 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 you know we we got to take a hat off to them because they they a surprise team of that division for, for sure. You know, everybody didn't know they were going to play as good as they planned, so they playing good sound football football. Would it be something if Baker Mayfield is their quarterback the next few years and they don't have to look elsewhere? You know, number one overall choice in the draft, and they got him for basically a cup of coffee. I mean, yeah, and I'm happy for Baker Mayfield because he, I think he's, he's matured, he's settled down, and now he knows that this is his team. So I think that, that, that matters, and I think that he's been playing like a great leader. So that's, that's important. Well, when hey, you look at it, yeah, he, you know, he lost two starting jobs with the Browns, in which he wasn't bad. He was there four years. And then he was had the Carolina Panthers starting job, didn't hold on to it. But he really revived his career as a backup for Matthew Stafford with the Rams when he played and played well. Let's yeah, absolutely. Some, let's, guys, let's do some rapid-fire questions because, you know, we only got an hour. So, you know, we, can, we can't be spending uh, five minutes on – uh, you know, Baker Mayfield's history in the NFL. Take your answer short. Byron, you got to keep the answer short on this. All story. right. Yeah, Byron, please. please. I'm learning. I'm learning, Jack. I'm okay, learning. Byron. Uh, Evan Smith will be booed for the rest of the year. Yes or no? Yes. All right. Okay. And you are correct. Uh, Jack, are you worried about the Kansas City Chiefs? No. Well, you can expand a little bit. All right. Why? Well, there's no reason to be worried in the same spot they were last year. They lost Tyreek Hill last year. Patrick Mahomes knows how to mix the ball around, and you don't make any adjustment that needs to be made. Pacheco's running real well for them at running back. Byron, they, got Denver, Taylor Swift. they got Taylor Swift, too, this year. 
They do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They did draft. They did. I, I don't know if that was a free agency signing or a draft. Byron, <laughs> will Denver make a surge? I don't think so. Okay. Because right. I, I just think Denver just got too many problems. I, I just think it's something that's hanging over their head. I, uh, but you know, they they hadn't really played that well in the first four to five four games. So I'm, I'm I don't think they're gonna get it right. Jack, will the Rams upset the Eagles this week? Mm, no. Okay, that's I. I know I, Eagles aren't going to go unbeaten. They have to lose. This is a bit of a trap game for them, but uh, you have to stick with Philadelphia in a game like this. But if they lost to the Rams, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be like, wow, but I don't think Philadelphia is going to lose. Okay, we did go over these before when we were talking. Uh, I guess we could ask this question. Byron, are the Bucks a legitimate threat in the NFC this year? I think so. I, I think they're they, they going to be um... – they they probably at least win that division, so they're in good shape right now. But okay. you know, you always got to look at it as two halves in 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 in, in the schedule. It's two halves, so right now they got the edge, I do believe. Okay, all right. Uh, the coaches unanimously vote to ban kneeling down during the anthem. What do you think about that, Byron? Do you think do you think that's a um, is that good for the NFL? Is it bad for you know, for certain things. What do you say? Matt, Matt, let me just cut in one second before he answers. I don't think the coaches vote. The coaches didn't vote to ban kneeling. I never heard of that. Byron, have you heard of that? I, I hadn't heard, had heard of that either. I just, no, I just thought that the NFL heard they wouldn't would do that, Matt. Step in. I, I would think the, the active player or the player committee, NFLPA players committee, should step in on that that uh, decision. I don't mm. think the coaches didn't get together and, and vote to ban kneeling. It didn't happen. Well, when you, you pay your union you dues, when you pay your union wait a minute, dues. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go ahead, go ahead, Byron. No, I was just thinking, when you pay your union dues and 90% of the players are paying union dues, I think they need to have a voice in that. So... I think the you know the committee need to talk about that. The NFLPA players need to talk about that, and um, and see what's best for the league. I, I just think it's it's a traditional thing. I think that they should go ahead and, and I mean go ahead and stand like they always have. You know, you want to know something? It's, right. it's an emotional issue. Something's probably going to happen in society in the future where the players are going to be emotionally involved, and that when the talk of taking a knee comes up. You want to know something? I'm all for social activism and making improvements, and kudos to the players for that. But at the end of the day, it's your job there. you got to focus on winning games. You have to. Otherwise, you're going to be out of the league. Well, well you know, the average 2.5 2.5 for players to play. People don't realize that. And a lot of players don't make a one year. So it's, it's very important that these players understand that. Well, let me ask you something. Of course, that was a satire. That was that was from a, that's a satire. I, that was that's not a true story. That was a satire. I want to get a reaction because I want to get to this point. When you, some people will disagree and say kneeling before the flag is just as um, it's just as much honoring the flag as standing. Some people would say that. And at the end of the game, or during players' injury, you see people going around and praying, right? And that's also uh, some. That's also an action that's not really NFL associated, if you will. 
So I'm going to ask you, Byron, and then you, Jack, why is not kneeling before the flag unacceptable, but praying after a game or maybe before a game, why is that acceptable? I don't um, know. Society, society completely. Byron first. No, I'll just say that I think it's just been a, a, a tradition um, that, you know, standing and, and uh, sometimes holding your hand over your heart uh, was was just a common thing for all of us. We we was taught that growing up, and uh, and I just think now we have so many changes in the laws and, and governments and things like that. We got all these. Everybody got this opinions about this, that, and the other. So I think we still need to you know go back to the traditional way of what it all meant at the beginning. That's my opinion. All right, Jack. What do you think? Society evolves and we kind of learn to accept things. I'm going to tell you a little story. About 15 years before Colin Kaepernick ever took a knee and had no idea who Colin Kaepernick was, it's probably in junior high school, I went to an NBA game with a friend of mine who was younger, who's black, okay? And they're playing the national anthem. And he's sitting in a seat, not standing up. And I elbow him and tell him to get up. You know what I mean? Because you're offending people around you close friend. He gets up out of respect to me. I talked to him later. I said, look, if you want to protest, I'll, st I'll stay with you in the corridor during the national anthem. You don't have to stand. But and he said, it's okay. He just wanted to give his little protest at the time. Sometimes you got to consider, are you, are you offending other people while you're doing it? Do you care about that or not? It, like, there's so many implications involved. Is, yeah. I do things sometimes I don't want to do because I don't want to offend somebody else. You know, they could have certain feelings, you know, on a certain matter. And, you know, with, with, ta you know, with taking a knee, I think by now we're, we're kind of used to it. But let's say the Super Bowl is going on or something, and they're bringing in all the – I don't want to use – the singers or the performers to give it extra impact, extra meaning, the national anthem. Do you really want to see players take knees during the thing out of protest at that moment? I mean, you know, it would know, offend I, people. It depends the said, In other words, guys, it depends the setting that we're in. As you yeah, said, another, another thing, too, I want to say this real quick. I want to say this. You know, now we're dealing with the fact that uh, people are wearing their hats in the church and they don't want to take their hats off. So, you know, over time, I think there's there's going to be changes and people have their own beliefs and they grew up certain ways. The reason why I'm, I'm I believe the way I believe, but my dad and my oldest brother was in the military. So I, I just think of their services and what they meant and, and how we grew up, you know, and I think that's what affected me to believe the way I believe. Well, it's, let me tell you my... I just want to mention boxing, for example. They played the national anthem, and the fight is shadow boxing. He's loosening up, and something about it I don't like. You know, you're throwing punches, you're moving, you're ignoring it. Why even play it if that's going to be the case? Listen, there's, as you said, there's a lot of different ways to look at that, and I don't think it'll ever go away with people kneeling, they say uh, I'm showing respect to the flag by kneeling, like they did, uh, uh, like they did in the past, way, way in the past. I mean, there's so many different things. So we'll push on for that. I just wanted to get your guys' uh, thoughts if that ever happened. Not just the coaches, but suppose the NFL banned something like that. That would be interesting. It'd be a heck of a fight. Um, 
Russ Francis, don't look, Keith's going to make it in. Russ Francis passes away. Uh, uh, he dies, I think it was in a plane crash, crash over Lake Placid, if I'm, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, a great tight end. I mean, I mean, for the Patriots and for the 49ers, played, played, uh, played well, especially in the Patriots. Everybody, remember, I remember him as a Patriot anyway. Uh, good blocker, good hands, and uh, sorry to see him get it. To, to, he was to before him. the Bill Belichick era. Russ yeah, yes, yeah. playing the yeah. Super Bowl that they lost uh, the Bears against the Chicago Bears. They got crushed in that game. But uh, really top of the line player, Russ Francis, one of the great names in New England Patriot history that sometimes slips under the radar. When you think of the, the great New England Patriot players, we usually start looking at the Bill Belichick era. But there were guys that came before him, like, Russ Francis, a great running back, Jim Nance, Gino Capaletti. You know, there were some other great players in Patriot history, and he there certainly ranked them on the There definitely best. was, including Rookie of the Year, Jim Plunkett, who ended up at the Raiders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jim Plunkett. Yeah, Jim Plunkett, yeah. yeah. All right, so. You think of, you think, do you think of Jim Plunkett more as being a Raider? Yes. I think of him more as being a Raider guy. More successful. More successful. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's that's and even though he was the second stringer coming off the bench, he still did his thing. Guys, how would you feel about this? If you're Darrell Revis, he played one year for the Patriots, they won the Super Bowl, but everyone identifies him as a Jet, and the Patriots are the Jets' chief rival. Can you imagine Revis? What could be his attitude? You know, oh, I have a Super Bowl ring, I was with the Patriots, you know, that yes, yeah, something isn't right about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you want oh, right. to yeah, yeah, did. So let's go over. I'm sure Byron follows college football, too. So we'll go over some college football games, especially the, the top 10. Uh, you got Kansas going up against Georgia. I don't think uh, I don't think Kansas is going to beat Georgia. I, I think that's uh, uh, pretty much Kansas does have a tough team. But they're playing. Yeah, they have a they have a tougher team. It's, you have to play a good sound fundamental football to beat Kansas. But you know, Georgia just right now just awesome, and uh, it, it's just hard to you know be hard to beat Georgia. Anybody gonna be hard to beat Georgia though? No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, that's right. You are correct. You are correct. I am. I am wrong. Rick is fact checking me now. They're playing Kentucky. That is correct. Kentucky is a tough team, very physical. Georgia yeah, will win any way you look at it. No, they no still will have to play a really good team uh, game Ooh. to beat. Could Georgia beat the USFL champions? I don't think so. USFL, not NFL, with a USFL. No, I don't think they can beat them. I don't think they can beat them. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles are made up of the, um, mostly of Georgia players, right? I mean, I don't yeah, know. That, yeah. That would, that, would yeah. Be, that would be an interesting game, I think. I think it would be a good game, Byron. I really do. USFL you ain't think the so? NFL. I don't, I don't you, think so. I don't USFL think so. ain't the NFL. They ain't the <laughs> NFL. I just no. don't think they can still beat them, though. Could the giant offensive line stop the Georgia pass rush? Oh, stop now. <laughs> just throw a shot. Just throwing shots over here. I know the Jets' offensive line could not. Um, you got Michigan playing Minnesota. Michigan number two in the country. Good, very good quarterback. Physical team. Uh, they should have a problem with that. Uh, we got Oklahoma number three playing against Texas. Now this is uh, against number yeah, three. Texas, Texas number three. Yeah, Texas right. number three. Oklahoma's like number eleven. Yeah. 
This could be the best game of the week, guys. I I, I want to watch this game. I think it's going to be great. And they're going to be in Dallas. Um, I always pull up a Texas. My my youngest daughter with the University of Texas, so I'm I'm a I just I just love those Longhorns and. Uh, uh, but I have a lot of friends that that play in Oklahoma, so I'm, I have to sometimes just pretend I've, I'm cheering for the for the yeah, Sooners, but not I'm not really cheering for the Sooners. <laughs> All right, but uh, you know, I listen, Texas. I think they're the best team in the in the in the, in the nation right now. They got they got a heck of a defense this year. I think I think they could beat either Michigan or Georgia. Hopefully, we get to find out. Maryland going up against Ohio State. Ohio State has been coming on lately. They got a good defense. The receivers are starting to catch some balls. But I still think they're not – I still don't think they're on that level. I don't think they could beat any of the top three teams right now. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Of course, Ohio State, that's where C.J. Stroud's from, and uh, they produce at least one good quarterback in there, and, and recently anyway so far. Uh, what, do you th- what do you think, Byron? Do you think Ohio State is a paper tiger? Yeah, I, I think uh, – I think – they have a, one of the best coaches, and and I look at the coaches when I look at college football, and I and I, I know that they they do have one of the best coaches, and and they 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 have tradition, and so those two things don't carry them over, and they're gonna be hard to beat. I mean, they gonna always position themselves to be in the top four or five in the in the country. I think that's true. That's true. Virginia Tech, you don't hear much about going up against number five Florida State. The Florida teams. This year, Miami, Florida, Florida State are all playing good football again. And I'll tell you, Miami at one time dominated college football back when you know Ray Lewis was there and, and, and players like that. And I think there's a resurgence down there, Byron. I heard Miami's not a great place to play as a player. Great for the fans, the, you know, the swamps down there. I mean, this is, to me, Florida football, I think, is coming back, Byron. Absolutely. I, I, I love the University of Florida, the, the Gators. I like them too. But Miami, for some reason, they um, they get excited. They they recruit some good athletes down there. So you can you can bet my it's gonna be it's hard to beat Miami for sure. It's it's good. I think Florida it's good. State, Florida State is deciding to watch too this year. So you, you, you got you got yeah. the whole state of Florida. You see, the difference between Byron and myself, if we were both in charge of recruiting, I would be in I would look for skilled players in a game. Byron would look for athletes. That's the difference between us. Guys who, you know, have the fundamentals, good hands. He's looking guys who could jump and run. Absolutely. Is that true? Is that true, Byron? <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty, sound pretty accurate right there. <laughs> All right. Arizona going up against number nine, USC. USC falls down. No defense at all. Caleb Williams. Uh might come out this year. He might not, depending on who's in line to pick him. But right. you know, USC. I don't. They can score a bunch of points. They, you know, Caleb Williams threw for six six touchdowns last week, and they still had problems winning that game. Uh, they fall. Uh, USC. I don't think is 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 a legitimate top four team. That's, that's I, absolutely. They they had problem with. Uh, Colorado, so I'm thinking that they're not there yet. There's something missing about that team. Either they, they defense need to get better, a special team need to improve. So it's something about um, USC for sure. Yeah, Jack. If Caleb Williams can go to the Giants, you know he said that's one of the five teams he want he would go to. If you're the Giants, you pick him first round first 
first pick you have if you get the opportunity. Why are you taking a time, Byron? Absolutely, you do. Unhesitatingly, <laughs> are you kidding me? Well, you got okay. you got to get a marquee. You got to get a marquee player. You definitely you definitely have to. You definitely have to go out to a a, 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 a a superstar. And right now he's 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 quite an athlete. So I think it'll be good for the Giants. But I just would hate it for Daniel Jones. I really love Daniel Jones. I think he just hadn't been – I think he had the right pieces around him and the injuries and uh, offensive line. It's just – it's a list of things. And he ain't been in the right offense. He ain't had the right coaches. So it's a list of things that Daniel Jones had to had – you, you know, Byron, you know, Byron, I'm not – I'm not denying anything you say here, but you know it's his. You can, you can only stay so long with a quarterback. Okay, suppose he has a bad year, and then the next year, he doesn't have an offensive line again, and Barkley's hurt again, and then we say, well, Daniel Jones isn't. You know, it's not his fault. Eventually, Daniel Jones. I mean, I'd give him to the end of the year if he doesn't improve, and if he doesn't do, I'm going after Caleb Williams. I like Daniel Jones too, but listen. Caleb Williams is probably going to be the, the number one pick by any team. And if they have an opportunity to get him, they'd be foolish not to, Byron. Yeah, I, yeah. And I just, I just, I'm just saying, I think sometimes you got to have the right pieces around these players. In order oh, yeah, to there's no the doubt. There's no doubt about that. It's just like Justin Fields. I think he, he, he's a great talent, but, you know, he's still got some problems with, with, with some of the, the offense and the style of offense that he's playing in. Now you you got to you got to put these guys in a in a predicament situation to where they can be successful as well. You got to put the play calling. You got to put the right coaches, the offensive coordinators, and the offensive line. You got to be you know got to be solid. Listen, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, Byron. I just think you you know you have a time limit. Don't you think that's true, Jack? You got a time limit. Uh, absolutely. You 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 said it perfectly, Mac. Kudos to you. You can only stick with a quarterback so long. After a while, you can have all the experience uses you want you want to know something the difference between the elite quarterbacks and guys like a daniel jones and i don't mean this is a knock on daniel jones even though it's going to look that way is the elite quarterbacks find a way to get it done no one's had a worse offensive line than joe burrow over the years yet the bengals wouldn't even consider taking uh williams in the draft if they somehow had the opportunity because they got joe burrow Justin Herbert's had his problems with his offensive line. Josh Allen, they find a way to make things work one way or the other. And Daniel Jones, the last game was alarming. The way he stormed off to the sideline, he wasn't looking like a leader. The yeah. coaches had to calm him down. You know, something about the personality, the way he was losing his cool there. I mean, these young quarterbacks, and he's not so young anymore, but they go through a tough time. I mean, none of them seem to have good offensive lines, yet they somehow make it work. And this is Daniel Jones' fifth year. Fifth well, year. I do want to say this. The style of offense that they play in now is totally different. You don't have your fullback. You don't have your convention, your, your vision of tight ends. You know, so it's a different it's a different case scenario with these style of offenses now that these players, are, these quarterbacks have to, having to, you know, play play with. So it's, it's, that's another thing, too. You never it live it down. If Daniel Jones, if they stick with him and Williams turns out to be a superstar, they'll never live it down. Yeah, I, I agree. agree. I, I agree with that. Absolutely. And finishing off the top 10, Notre Dame, 
will be playing Louisville, uh, another to me, another paper tiger, which Notre Dame is. I mean, they play good against the bad teams. When they come up and they play a good team, they have a problem, and, and we'll see what happens. Young coach over there, maybe they get better, maybe they don't. That's my team, but I'm going to be honest about it. I, I, don't, I don't see them doing anything this year either. Some Pats news, Mac Jones gets benched for Zappy. Now, Bill Belichick says, well, we're going we're gonna to play Mac Jones this week, right, even though they benched him. And Mac, Mac Jones did have a bad, bad Mac game. is starting Sunday. I just, said, I, just said, I just said that. So, but even if he's starting, you pull him for Zappy, I mean, now he's going to start looking over his shoulder again, I believe. Because if you pull them once, you're going to pull them again if he has a – It was so was, far down, Mac, in that game. It wasn't just a question that he couldn't still, get still, still, they still pull them, Jack. I don't care what the reason is. Yeah. As a starter, wide receiver, quarter, whatever, if they pull you out of game and put somebody else in because of the score or whatever, that's your starting quarterback. You stay with your starting quarterback. I don't think that was a good call. What do you think, Byron? Yeah, I, I don't think that was a good call. But I think eventually you, you might want to go ahead and try Zappi. I think, uh, you know, you only have so many games that you can continue to, you know, have this type of success. And if the offense ain't moving and scoring points, then you change. Zappi has only one problem. He's not good, guys. He's not a good quarterback, Zappi. He's basically like putting a band-aid on the situation. Maybe if he played a lot for a couple of years, he would develop. I'm not saying... He couldn't, but he, he's not the answer. Mac Jones threw across the field, intercepted, returned for touchdown. It was terrible decision-making on a throw like that. You never throw on the opposite side of the field like that. You know, and he should know that, though, Jack. Good. He should know that. You don't, you don't, he should know that. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? That's one of the reasons Bill Belichick had his hands over his head. And he's an unemotional guy. And then he fumbles another ball. It's picked up. Return for touchdown. Mac Jones played the worst possible game a quarterback could play. But what would alarm me about Mac Jones, guys, he doesn't really have the arm strength. That's what's alarming me. I mean, his arm isn't going to win you games. He's got to be super smart in there. And he wasn't. You don't have to have a a strong arm to to go all the way. Joe Montana proved that. You just got to have the timing. You just got to know how to read the defenses. There's a lot of things that go into be, be, becoming a good quarterback or a great quarterback besides arm strength. That I think the problem with Max Jones right, right now, new offensive system, new offensive coordinator, hasn't caught on. They, they're saying, hey, after I figured they had a good game. Oh, he's, oh he's, come he's, on. I'm telling you, Jack, right now, this is the first year with O'Brien as the offensive coordinator, and I don't think Zappy's got it yet. And I don't know if he'll get it this year or not. Maybe next year. I don't know. Sure, but then, you yeah. then you get into question: How long do you hold on to your quarterback that you that, that you drafted? Again, if I was offensive coordinator, I would I would have a challenge in practice all week in practice. Whoever do the best in practice, that'll be my starting quarterback. That's tough. You know, that's tough, Byron. That's a tough way to pick your quarterback. They play New anyway. Orleans this week. That's the type of game you would. Think New England is going to bounce back from it. They lose think. to New Orleans and they go one and four. They're playing at think. home against the you Saints. Think. Derek Carr played last week. Shouldn't have. They should have put in. They should have put in Jamison Winston, and he should play play this week too until until Carr is healthy again. 
That's Carr is point. an average quarterback himself. And he I understand that. But if he, a hurt Carr, a Jamie's, healthy Jamie's Winston is better than a hurt Derek Carr. I did just terrible decision, by the okay. way. Okay. Um, outside linebacker, Matthew Judon is hurt. Uh, they're they're uh, Christian Christensen. Their defensive back is it's out. Gonzalez, yeah, their corner. The, yeah. They just picked up. They just picked up. Uh, Good player from from Jackson. San Diego. Yeah, yeah Jackson. from San Diego yeah. to fill his slots. So Patriots have a lot of problems right now. Even playing against New Orleans, they got a lot of problems. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, no good news for the Giants. No good news for the Patriots. We'll see if the Jets can bring us some good news this week and go to Denver and win. I have my, I have second, I, I don't know if they're going to or not. In fact, I don't think they're going to beat Denver in Denver. But I think they see. will. I think must they will. win for the Jets. Absolute must win. They go to one and four. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. You could say the same thing it. about, you, you could say the same thing about Denver, Jack. They, they yeah. can't. But the Denver's, not expect, Denver's not going to make the playoffs any way you look at it. They're not that good. And you, and you think the Jets are? The Jets are, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. The Jets we'll in a position. I'm saving. I'm saving the tape. I'm saving friends. the tape. Without Aaron Rodgers now, Jack thinks that the Jets will make the playoffs. I'm saving this tape, yeah. Jack. Yeah. All right, all right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for Byron. Thanks for sticking with us the whole show. It's been fun having you. Uh, tomorrow, the Mac and Jack debate show. Sunday, the big football show. Monday, not Monday yet. Byron Wednesday, J and B talking shop. Jack, glove fist with uh, Frank Letierzo on Thursday temporarily. Folks, thanks for joining us. Have a great Friday, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Mac and Jack.